we're going to continue now our uh, series, Golden Threads. I'm looking for the clicker. Here we go. So, uh, in, case, in case anyone is unaware of this, we did a series in the spring when we looked at the whole story of the Bible in a number of chapters. And then through the beginning of the summer term, we've been doing something a bit different, which is taking themes that are present right through the Bible and reading them through the Bible story to make sense of them in the big picture of the story of the Bible. And uh, over the last five weeks or so, we've looked at the theme of people being made in God's image, how we are amazing because of how God has made us and as he redeems us through Christ. We've looked at covenant relationships, which is something that's there right through the Bible. We've looked at the opportunity to meet with God. We've looked at hospitality. And last week, Joe Boots uh, gave us a meaty talk, did he not, uh, about God's mission in the world, how God is at work to redeem all things to himself and how we have a part to play in that. Uh, This morning's theme is a really simple one. It is that God is with us, his people. And I hope in the next few minutes just to point all of our thinking, the focus of our attention towards him as he is present here with us. This theme of God being with his people is present right throughout the Old and the the New Testaments. And what we see is that amazing things happen in God's presence. Amazing things happen in God's presence. Uh, As has already come out in these two series that we've done, actually the Hebrew and Greek languages in which the Bible was originally written don't have that word presence that we use in English. They don't actually say literally in God's presence. They use a different word. Both languages use the word faces, which is, we have in English the phrase, seeing someone face to face. That's what the Bible speaks of. It's not just somehow, you can imagine being in a hall as big as this, and God's here somewhere. Maybe he's behind the curtains. I don't know. He was sort of in his presence. No, the scriptures point us further than that. They speak of being with God face to face. And that's how it began in the creation of humanity. I've used this picture before. Of, it's a picture that represents what we read of in Genesis 2 and verse 8, where it says that God breathed into Adam and Adam became a living being. And this was the first moment of human existence. The very first thing that any human being experienced in the Bible story is Adam opening his eyes as God breathed on him. Fundamental to what it is to be human is that we get to be with God face to face. Of course, if we go through the Old Testament, there's loads of examples of amazing things happening in God's presence. There's this first one that I've mentioned of humanity coming alive in God's presence. If we were to play through the story, there are are stories like this in every part of the Old Testament. Genesis 18 and 19 is to do with Abraham, where Abraham fed three strangers and then spoke with God face to face about the fate 
of the cities nearby, Sodom and Gomorrah. And he saw the most extraordinary thing happen as then God rained fire down from heaven to cleanse the earth of a community that had given itself over to evil. These are maybe not the the thing you'd expect to happen in God's presence, but Abraham's there with God and amazing things, extraordinary things happen in God's presence. The reference that's on the slide from Exodus 3 is of when God meets with Moses and God says to Moses, go to Egypt, you're going to set my people free, I'm going to do wonders. And he says, I'll go with you. You you can know, Moses, that this will happen because I'll go with you. I'll be with you. And similarly, at the beginning of the book of Joshua, the leader who followed on from Moses has the same promise. As God says in Joshua chapter 1, I will be with you. He says, wherever you go, you will find victory. Everything that, every place that you go, you will conquer. And it will happen because I'm with you. In the next few chapters, we see that story start to unfold for Joshua. He comes across a man in the road. And this man, he asks him, are you with me? You're against me? And the man says, no, you've got this wrong. I'm the commander of the Lord's armies, and I've come. He's God present with Joshua. And so it's no surprise that the walls of Jericho fall down and every other victory into which they carry the Ark of the Covenant representing God's presence, they see victory. Amazing things happen in God's presence. Amazing things happen when God is with us. It's a consistent thread, a golden thread right through the Bible. When God draws near, amazing things happen. In the New Testament, amazing things happen in God's presence. We'll get to this story in just a moment. But that first reference in Luke chapter 2 is to what happens when Jesus first appears on the earth. God himself, the word became flesh, comes to the earth. And God is present in the person, the baby Jesus. God is present on the earth and angel choirs come from heaven and the shepherds are astonished. Mary, who's been carrying Jesus for months, is herself astonished at what happens. And the scripture says she treasured all these things up in her heart. They were so wonderful. This picture on the screen is from the story in Luke chapter 8 where a woman comes in a crowd, touches the hem of Jesus' cloak, And the sickness that she suffered for 12 years of constant bleeding stops. Just stops. She reached out to touch Jesus. Amazing things happen in God's presence. Keep going through the story. The early chapters of the book of Acts see the apostles filled and the whole church filled with the Holy Spirit. And led by the Holy Spirit, Peter and John, in the temple, proclaim over a man who is crippled, healing in Jesus' name. And he stands up, starts running around. People are amazed. So these apostles, this, these followers of Jesus, Peter and John, they've got the Holy Spirit now living in them. It's not that God's out there somewhere. God is in them by the power of his Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit, these men had confidence to speak up to the authorities. And it says in Acts chapter 4 and verse 13 that the authorities took note that these men had been with Jesus. They had spent time 
with God in the person of Jesus. And they became the kind of people around whom amazing things happened. Last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, is an incredible revelation that's given to the Apostle John, in which he was given heaven's perspective on some local churches. That's a precious thing in itself. But he's also given heaven's perspective on the whole of human history. It's amazing. It's unfolded for him. It happened as he was face to face with Jesus. Revelation chapter 1 describes this figure who's walking whom John sees, and it says of him that his face was shining like the sun. In all of its brilliance, this amazing Jesus, John was with him face to face. And it was in his presence that this incredible revelation came. This is one of the Bible's golden threads, that amazing things happen in God's presence. If we want to see amazing things happen. We do well to recognize that it's all about him. I think sometimes we get into thinking that there's some kind of technique or something that we need if we're going to see prayers answered. Some special way of praying, some special words, some special feeling, some special process, some special place, some special person maybe is needed to help us. But this golden thread reminds us that it's, all, it's just about God. In his presence, amazing things happen. First funeral that I ever took was of a lady called Kath Sorrell, whom some of you are nodding, you remember her. She and her husband were part of the church here. And she was diagnosed with cancer. It was a kind of cancer that um, the doctors couldn't do anything to help with once it spread from her kidneys. And they started a search Len and Kath, amongst all the stories and testimonies that they could get their hands on, of what was it that made prayers for the healing of cancer work? What was the trick? What was the key? And after spending quite a bit of time looking into that, highly motivated as they were, they told me one thing that was common across all of those stories of healing. And it was that at a certain point someone had felt led by the Holy Spirit to do something, and they'd done it. It The only thing that was common across all of those stories, that someone had been walking in relationship with God, and then amazing things happened. Simple as that. I think sometimes we'd like it to be different so we could be more in control. But this thread of the Bible is that amazing things happen in God's presence. He is the one who is amazing. Now, whilst this thread is a continuous thread right through Old and New Testaments, there is something about it that changes dramatically with the arrival of Jesus. You see, in the Old Testament, these miracles, these powerful experiences with God, they came to some people and not to others. Some people encountered God, some people saw amazing things happen, but others didn't. And so the Old Testament is a bit like this. It's a bit like a lottery. Would you be the chosen one? One people chosen from amongst all the earth. 
only some of them chosen to be priests and to come near to God, and only one chosen to be high priest to come into the very presence of God, a place where amazing things happen. And then only once a year. It was rare, a rare thing to experience God in this way. Not only that, for the people of Israel, their closeness to God and the blessings that followed depended on their performance. It's like you had to be uh, a straight A student spiritually in order to experience all the blessings that God would provide. It's how it was in the, I think all those sums are right, just in case anyone's wondering. Uh, Now, these two things in the Old Testament of experience of God being rare and it having to be worked for are two things that change dramatically with the arrival of Jesus. Change dramatically. Um, Over the next few months, we're going to be pausing and dwelling on this kind of subject quite a bit. In a couple of weeks' time, Emily Harland from Warsaw in Birmingham is coming to join us uh, and bringing some friends who are a group called Room One Project, who are worship leaders, to um, who God's using to see people healed and to encounter God and know that we're in his presence, that kind of stuff. They're going to be here in a couple of weeks' time. The weeks that follow, we're going to be looking at what motivates us to pray for God to act miraculously. We're going to be looking practically at how we pray. And as we go into the summer, we're going to be looking in John's Gospel at the miracles that are labelled in John's Gospel as this was another sign that Jesus did. So that's what our summer's going to be about. For now, simply following this golden thread through, um, what we're seeing is that in the Old Testament, this experience of God, of knowing him and being known by him and seeing amazing things happen, it was rare and it had to be worked for because access to God's presence was rare and it had to be worked for. But when Jesus died... The Gospels tell us the curtain in the temple was torn in two. There was a curtain that separated out the place of God's dwelling, his seat of residence, from the whole of the rest of creation. There's a small space in which people understood God to dwell. And there was a big, heavy curtain that kept people out. And when Jesus died on the cross, the temple was torn, the temple, the curtain was torn in two. And whereas previously, only priests have been allowed to get close to God's seat of residence, now, through the death of Jesus, his death that had dealt with God's wrath, had dealt with sin, had been a payment that set sinners free, his death, which was a perfect provision of help for people who could not help themselves... Through Jesus' death, now the way stands open. The way stands open. I want to read to you from the letter to the Hebrews, a bit from chapter 4 and also from chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 says, We have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens. This great high priest is Jesus, 
the Son of God. So let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. We don't have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. It was because he was without sin that his death was so powerful and that the temple curtain tore. Verse 16, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Let us approach God, his throne of grace, with confidence. In Hebrews chapter 10, reading from verse 19, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened up for us through the curtain, that is Jesus' body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. We can enter into God's presence. And maybe for those of us who've walked with the Lord for some time, it's just become really familiar to us. We can enter in, yay. It's amazing. For most of human history, most people could not get in. Our sin stood in that it just wasn't possible. But because of the death of Jesus, there is access to God for us. We can walk in through a new and living way that he's opened up. And the place that we enter, God's presence, the place of being with him face to face, is a place where amazing things happen. Amazing things happen in God's presence. So, the Apostle John, in his revelation, after God had spoken to him about the local churches to whom he wanted to speak, then it says in Revelation chapter 4, he looked and he saw a door standing open in heaven. A door standing open in heaven. That's our reality. There's constant access for us to the presence of God. We don't have to wait for the door to open. You see, I think sometimes we make one of two mistakes. Maybe we make both of them. One mistake is to think that we, we have to do something to make this door open. And the other mistake is to just sit there waiting as if it were shut. I've got two pictures. The one on the left is from an era before The Lord of the Rings was made into film. Somehow more innocent age of, uh, of art. Gandalf at the door to the dwarfish kingdom of Moria. And for those who don't know, it's like Ali Baba and the 40 Thieves. There's a need to say the right word to make the door open. For Ali Baba, it was open sesame, wasn't it? Why it was to do with small seeds, I don't know. But there we are. And here, <laughs> I've offended someone with my, it's okay. Um, here in the story, in Tolkien's story, 
Uh, Gandalf has to say the right word in the right language, and then what had been a solid wall becomes a door and it opens. It seems to me that, that often we feel like we're stood in front of a wall, like that Fellowship of the Ring, wishing we knew the right word to make the door open. Oh, if only we knew what to say. The truth of Scripture is that we don't have to find the right words to open up the door to heaven. Jesus' death opened up the door to heaven. It stands open. It's done. The picture on the right is of a waiting room in uh, A&E, some hospital somewhere in the UK. It seems to me that often the other mistake that we make is we just sit patiently waiting, waiting for our turn, sitting there with our sickness, hoping it won't be too long before someone chooses to pay attention to us. Oh, Lord, here I am. You know, if you've got a moment. When you've dealt with the more important people, more urgent cases. It's a mistake. Because we don't have to wait for a door to the consulting room to open. God is present with us now. Because Jesus has opened a way. Jesus opened a door from heaven to earth to come here. And when he returned to heaven... He left the door open for us to follow him into God's throne room where the angels and the archangels, the elders and saints without number worship him day after day. And so the rest of our time together this morning is an opportunity for us to do that, for us to walk through the door and to join with the worship of heaven, with the angels and the archangels and the living creatures and the elders and the saints and offer ourselves This opportunity to come into God's presence is amazing. And amazing things happen in God's presence. In a moment, Andy's going to lead us in breaking bread so that we remember together what it was that Jesus did to open up the way to the Father. And then Jason and the band are going to lead us again as we walk through that open way with with praises on our lips and join with all of heaven company of heaven in worshipping him in whose presence amazing things happen and I guess there will be words that come from God there will be healing in this place of the body of the mind emotions of the soul as we spend time in God's presence and who knows what else he will do he may even speak some words to commission us to new activities new calling Just be open to what he may want to do. He may lead us to intercede for others so that we come back next week with even more testimonies of his action in our lives. But let's approach him with confidence.